Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. Go, go, Power Rangers! Yeah, we're doing Power Rangers. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, that original um, opening theme is done by Buckethead, which is pretty fucking dope. In this movie, right? Or originally, no, like... No, the, the original recording of the Power Rangers theme song. Huh. TV show, yeah, Buckethead. Um, any music fans out there should check out Buckethead. He does, like, these really long, indulgent guitar solo soundtracks, basically. Yeah, he has, like, a kentucky Fried chicken bucket on his head. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty dope. Wears a mask. Cool. He could be a Power Rangers villain. Oh, shit. Yeah. That'd be that'd be amazing <laughs> if that if they make a sequel to this movie. Um, if they did. And he, wield, he wields, like, giant drumsticks in, in combat or something. And if they're like a combination of like chicken drumsticks and like drum drumsticks. Oh shit, like yeah. literal drumsticks yeah. and the food drumsticks. That would be very yeah. on brand for Power Rangers as well. Oh shit. I would I would we, be surprised if that actually was not already one of the the monsters from the original we series. Should, we should write this goddamn uh, sequel yeah, to this movie. We should. Um and we should say this is the uh the, the film we'll be reviewing today is the twenty seventeen Power Rangers. Yes. Um not the like nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine, whatever the fuck the the original movie to the original 96, series. I think, is honestly. it? Yeah. I mean uh, there's a lot of people writing about that right now. I, I think io9 did a review or like a reevaluation of it. And I don't know. It just looks fucking atrocious. I, I don't really have any interest in ever doing that. Uh, sorry, guys. It's not no. going to be our premium episode for this week. That's <laughs> <laughs> imagine. Ivan Ooze. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, the 2017 Power Rangers um, or the 2017 uh, Saban's Power Rangers uh, directed by... <laughs> Dean Israelite. Um, what, what did he direct besides this? So he did a film called Project Almanac, which is like a found footage sci-fi kid movie, tween movie. I can definitely see that. Haven't seen Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I bet it's fine. I mean, just you know, considering like how good this movie is. But I honestly, I kind of want to see it from seeing Power Rangers now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then he was like a second unit director, like a some kind of assistant director for a film called like Battleground Los Angeles, which I think was an alien movie. I remember that that the lead in that was Aaron Eckhart, Two Face from The Dark Knight, <laughs> um, just because it, it came out around that time when I was obsessed with Batman shit and obsessed with The Dark Knight, and I remember that Aaron Eckhart was in a movie. Yeah, I mean, it looks like trash, but like it, it seems almost like um, District Nine. That, yeah, mm-hmm. that it seems that that kind of like aliens invade Earth, but it's real. You know, I think it was of, trying of to capitalize era, that on that definitely. Um, but again, I mean, Dean Israelite is just like an assistant director to that, so it could actually like suck ass. So yeah, um, sure. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so for those of you who did not grow up watching Power Rangers, uh, Power Rangers is an American adaptation of a Japanese TV show um, called Super Sentai. Um, it is a... Se- uh, su- Super set- Sentai. Oh, Sentai. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, my apologies, <laughs> mm-hmm. Master. Uh, Nani? <laughs> and, and then what's... The, how do you pronounce this word? The the type of um, like genre it is. Tokusatsu. Tokusatsu, um, which means like special filming, basically a special mm-hmm. effects genre piece, um, be it a movie or 
or a TV show. Um, so Godzilla is uh, tokusatsu as well. Right. Right. Um, so what they did in the 90s was uh, Haim Saban, who was just like this media mogul, um, he bought Power Rangers from um, some Japanese studio and then he just like filmed American actors doing like this high schooler comedy bit um, that yep. connected them to the uh, Super Sentai. Super Sentai. I'm sorry. Super Sentai. <laughs> and um, and what's interesting is all of the fight scenes are from the Super Sentai show, right? And they're just dubbed over with the American um, dialogue, like the the mile a minute quips that they that they throw out there when they're fighting, like. Uh, putty patrol or whatever and then um they would film the high school drama scenes in between that yeah i mean it's actually genius if you think about it like uh the the original um japanese it doesn't matter that uh it wouldn't sync up with their lips because they're wearing helmets you can't see their lips yeah exactly no it's 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 smart of course uh heimspawn is terrible and we can get to that later but oh um, boy yes (laughs) oh boy yes we will get to that so this film uh, stars a bunch of up-and-coming young actors and actresses and some more established individuals. Um, so um, I don't know how the fuck to say this guy's name, but yeah, D- Daker. I, it looks like it's Acre with the word Dacre. with the letter D in front of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daker Montgomery. He plays Jason the Red Ranger. Um, he's actually the like bully in the second season of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Naomi yep. Scott plays Kimberly the Pink Ranger. R.J. Seiler plays Billy the Blue Ranger. Um, he was in that independent movie like Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 some yeah. people might be familiar with that, but uh, it's just like a little indie darling film. Um, uh, Ludi Lin plays Zach the Black Ranger. Um, Becky G plays Trini the Yellow Ranger. Um, and then the more established cast members would be Elizabeth Banks as the um, the antagonist of the film, Rita Repulsa. Um, Bill Hader plays the robot Alpha 5. And Brian Cranston is uh, Zordon, the mentor figure of the Rangers. Yeah, and um, I think most of our audience will at least be peripherally aware of like the show Power Rangers. It, it's been around forever. It came to the States when we were like five, four or five, probably mm-hmm. like when we were really young. Um, yeah, it was definitely. all the rage at the time. It was, it was super, super popular um, in TV, in in toy sales and everything. Um, and it's still going on right now. Like it, it, it has been through so many reboots. It has been through so many iterations of the teams. It has been through so many um, versions of genre and tone. I know they go to space and they become ninjas and it's like more fantasy and then it gets more sci-fi and it, it go, it's everywhere in between. Um, but this adaptation was specifically modeled after the, the very first original iteration of the of the team and the Rangers. That definitely came across in the marketing, I remember, when this movie came out. Um, they were really pushing, like, the, this is the modern day equivalent of what you online millennials remember from being a kid yeah definitely i mean it's the same exact characters um it's the same exact robots or as they're called in the show zords um Mm -hmm. it's the same exact antagonist um it is definitely based off of season one of power rangers um 
you know, I mean, everything right now is, is millennial nostalgia. Um, so uh, of the um, older millennial variety at this point, I mean, the younger sure. millennials probably grew up maybe watching like the Ninja one. I think that came right afterwards. And then uh, maybe the Space yeah. one. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, those those might even be things that happen uh, that we see adapted in like five to ten years. Who knows? I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. This this film might not get a sequel um, because it did poorly at the box office. I did see that they're thinking of it. They the production studios were talking about it as recently as February of 2019 of this year. That that's at least as as much as Wikipedia tells us, and Wikipedia is God for the show. That's where we get all information. So, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, it, it's 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 up in the air. It's possible it could happen. Um, yeah, so I would like it to happen. I would like <laughs> it to happen. Um, it just it did really poorly in international markets. Where yeah. um, I mean, really, the majority of blockbuster films that's where they do numbers nowadays. Yes. Um, it only made like 85 million domestically and then 57 million internationally. Um, yeah, it made more than its budget is its budget was a hundred million. But I mean, if you look at some of the numbers of say, um, like Japan, you know, where this show originates from, uh, it only made $1.9 million. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, it's really And terrible. I, I see here it made $617,000 in Hong Kong. Yep. That. Oh, and that's... and and five hundred five thousand in South Korea, um, which is yeah, that's insane. That that that's it's crazy because these places have their own versions of like the Super Sentai as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like they um, there's Common Rider, and then there's other. Um, there are South Korean versions. There are Hong Kong versions of these types sure. of, um, of 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 shows. Um, yeah, and they just did super poorly. Um, I tried to get a sense of like why they did so poorly there. My my suspicion is that because these shows um, are still running in Japan specifically, like Common Rider, they can sure. get that and they can see their version of it, and their version is like more visually interesting. And and also the idea of like so so Heim Saban took Super Sentai from Japan put at least like an Americanized spin on it. And then two decades later, uh, there is this reboot of that Americanized interpretation. I don't know. It, it's just like different layers of like differentiation there. It's like the, the, the copy of a copy of a copy. And then it's put back into the culture that it was originally um, adapted from. And it's like, what is this? It's, it's, it's like so many like uh, yeah. steps removed, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I did find one article that had, um, you know, Japanese fans of the original show and, and the current shows um, just react to basically the trailer. Um, and a lot of them, I mean, there was actually a, a mixed variety of responses, but a lot of them were like, oh, people in America like this show. I didn't even know that. Um, (laughs) Or it was like, oh, this is like more of an adaptation of the American show, not the show that I'm familiar with. Um, There were some that were like, oh, I'm interested to see what the Americans do with it. But there were a lot who were like, eh, nah, fuck it. Like we have the better version anyway. We don't have to see this American Hollywoodized garbage. Right, right. Um, I mean, unfortunately for them, because this... Hollywood Hollywoodized garbage is actually kind of good. Yeah, this this movie slaps, folks. Um, yeah, we're we're both into it. So we actually have a review 
by someone who we uh, hold Hell more yes. dear to our heart. Um, the patron saint of Procon. <laughs> Um, so, uh, reviewer by the name of uh, Germain Lucier of uh, oh, the yes. blog IO9, which is part of like the Gawker Media uh, Network. Um, he seems like a delightful person, um, and uh, I, w- I would please love come to on the show. In- yeah, I would. I would love to spend an afternoon with Jermaine just talking about nerd shit. I, yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat. I agree. Um, we'll have to send this to uh, to the Gawker Media Group, and uh, we really should tweet. We should tweet it out. Be like, hey, hey, Jermaine, you get a you get a shout out here. <laughs> we 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 have we have our differences in terms of nerd shit but you're you seem like a good guy yeah for sure um so this is just like the first two paragraphs of his review um it reads the final act of power rangers is everything you could want from a power rangers movie it's fun funny action-packed and filled with so many zords and monsters that you'll actually feel like you're watching a big budget update of the popular kids franchise the problem is that the 90 minutes preceding it wants as little to do with the power rangers as possible and then the next uh, poll paragraph that we have here. For its majority, Power Rangers is a heavy-handed, character-forward teen drama with a little bit of Rangers stuff sprinkled in. It's way, way less interested in the characters as color-coded superheroes than it is with their struggles to grow up and accept the responsibility of being Power Rangers. It's not a bad story, but it's so devoted to its teen drama that it doesn't have time for fighting and zords and everything that makes the franchise fun. So overall... The movie feels weirdly, une- wildly uneven and ultimately disappointing. So I get it. You know, I, I, I get yeah. this criticism. Um, yeah. And that's why I, I wanted to highlight it because this is a common criticism. This is the criticism that almost kept me away from seeing it originally in theaters. But I did. And I'm glad I did. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad I rewatched it. And I'll rewatch it a thousand times. Motherfuckers. It's great. <laughs> Uh, I'm sad I missed out in theaters. Honestly, this this would have been a blast with just some friends and Friday night movie, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I do get Jermaine's criticism here. I honestly really did like the early stuff. I know that the term CW teen drama is thrown around as like a derivative. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost like every review but his, actually. I don't think his review says it, but there's so many reviews yeah. that are like, the CW teen drama, a shorthand for like, this is cheesy teen shit I don't give a fuck about. But I mean, that that's what drew me into this this movie like the the, the yeah. five uh, teenage or, or kid leads, are they're, they're good. Like, um, they really sold a lot of the quite frankly like cheesy dialogue they they just seemed really enthusiastic and into it they seemed like they were friends um they all felt like they grew all the time throughout the movie and i was i was quite happy with like yeah it's a standard origin story but it felt like they actually hit those beats um in a very like believable way yeah for sure um no i i was i was uh surprised when i saw the film in theaters that um they actually executed it pretty well there's a great scene and we can talk about it later where they really get to know each other. Um, yeah. At a fireside um, little chat. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just um, the fact that it even does all this build up, and, and that like a studio allowed them to do, like he says, 90 minutes of build up and then have a fight scene or mm-hmm. fight scenes. Um, I don't know. That's pretty cool. You know, we don't get to see that in a lot of superhero movies. Um, nowadays it's just like, you know, maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes of buildup, but then action scene, action scene, action scene. Honestly, the only other instance I can even think of is like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. Yeah. The first one. 
It's true. I mean, it's kind of like, it's almost like a bygone era of superhero genre is what, mm-hmm. is what this is. I mean, cause if you think about even the original, um, you know, Richard Donner, Superman films, especially the first one. Yeah. I mean, that movie is for the majority of that film. It's, you know, uh, it's Krypton and then it's, uh, Smallville, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then from there it's Metropolis and then maybe towards the end he actually puts the suit on and, and you know does some heroics but it's it's not a lot it, it's curious because those early instances of superhero films they they were clearly i don't want to say embarrassed but they were clearly hesitant to wear the conventions of that genre so openly during the runtime it took a while i would say like at least until like the nolan era of the batman movies until they could like just or, or even the x-men movies it I guess those would be an earlier example before they could just like spend most of the time, most of the runtime on superhero action as opposed to character development. Um, so this uh, Power Rangers here was like, I really was not expecting the uh, amount of character work that was put into like the first like 80% of this movie. Yeah, no, it was nice to see. Definitely. Um, before we jump into the um the meat and potatoes of this film uh i guess we should address the loathsome content for this episode mm-hmm. um and it is the uh the gentleman who was the um the founder of the feast you could say uh ivan ooze <laughs> <laughs> he basically is the real world ivan ooze hey, um yeah. uh heim saban um yep so he is a political operative or like a mega donor for the democratic party um and a media mogul i'm not sure um, if he still owns it, I, I, I know he doesn't own Power Rangers anymore. He at one time sold them to Disney. Then he bought it back so he could make this movie. And then he sold it again to Hasbro after this movie did poorly. So Hasbro has owned Power Rangers since 2018, not just the toy rights, but just all uh, intellectual property. Um, he has openly stated uh i'm I'm gonna paraphrase the quote here like i have one goal first and foremost and that is the defense of israel um he is called keith ellison um anti-semite he is called bernie sanders an anti-israeli person um which is inflammatory to say the least we don't quite have the bandwidth here in this episode to uh get into a really big discussion on israel and everything um, but suffice to say, the current state of the state of Israel is um, not leftist. And um, Haim Saban's politics are not leftist by definition. Yeah, for sure. Uh, pro-con is pro-Palestine. Yes. Um, from yes. the river to the sea. And yes. uh, fuck all Zionists. Um, yes. That's as much as we'll say. Fuck you, Haim Saban. Well, I, I will add one um, one bit of nuance here for any audience members who aren't as political as they should be. Being anti-Zionist, being anti-Israel is, is not equivalent to being um, anti-Semitic. There is a very strong distinction there, and it is a very important distinction. Um, many prominent Jewish figures, such as the aforementioned Bernie Sanders, um, are labeled uh, anti-Zionist in this country. Um, but criticism of the state of Israel is absolutely and firmly not tantamount to being um, anti-Jewish in any way, shape, or form. 
Yeah, that's correct. I mean, there are a ton of um, Jewish organizations that are, um, you know, pro-Palestine, um, yes. anti the state of Israel. Yes. Um, there's, uh, if not now, um, there's um, Jewish voices. Um, and then there's there's uh, academics like Norman Finkelstein, who I think we you know um, should recommend all of our um, our listeners to go out and if not you know <laughs> read his stuff because his books are dense. But you know go look out go look on YouTube or whatever video platform you like uh, and like just look up Norman Finkelstein and some of his videos about, um, you know, Zionism, uh, anti-Zionism and how that does not equate to anti-Semitism. There's a great um, scene uh, from a documentary made about him where he's like getting yelled down at a a college campus about this kind of stuff. And he's just like, he's given it right back to him. Um, He's also um, gone toe to toe with um oh what is that guy um Heim Saban no not Heim Saban <laughs> that would be amazing if yeah, he yeah, went yeah. um he's gone toe-to-toe with who's the guy who's like Jeffrey Epstein's friend uh I'm, I'm lost I don't know okay well yeah, he's yeah. gone toe-to-toe with some prominent um pro-Zionist uh academics and um political pundits on like democracy now in the past um and if i think of that person's name i'll just yell it out later uh chomsky himself has um has been lambasted for his supposedly anti-semitic anti-israel remarks oh and i just remembered it's actually uh, alan dershowitz there's this great um interview or like debate between Norman Finkelstein and uh, Alan Dershowitz on Democracy Now!, where uh, Finkelstein just like tears into uh, a book that Dershowitz had just written Good. in, I think, the early 2000s yeah. about the, some factual inaccuracies. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, Power Rangers is actually um, about the PLO, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pro Palestine group from the 70s. That's what this is about. That's what this whole movie is about. Oh, my God. Um... So anyway, yeah, uh, setting that aside, that um, dreary political realities of our current world aside, uh, we open up um, in Power Rangers to, well, we get a flashback that shows us like the, the establishing the mythology of the universe. But, but after that, the real opening shot of this movie is an extended joke about giving a cow a handjob, <laughs> which is, which yeah, is a bold incredible. choice, admittedly, in a team comedy. Um, Literally, I mean, it's like the first five minutes of this film. Yeah, the guy's yeah. like, oh, I, well, so what happens is uh, Jason the Red Ranger and a friend or two friends are actually um, trying to uh, bring a cow into the locker room of their school's like football team, which is I like think the it's, Bulls. It's, it's the mascot of the opposing team. Oh, is it the mascot of the opposing team? Okay. They, they, I, they talk about like, oh, why couldn't it have been like a gopher or something? And it's like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a heifer or whatever. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're bringing this cow into the locker room and, um, he's like, oh man, the cow like is like bucking and it's like really uh, agitated. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Um, Jason's friend, this other guy who I don't remember if he was named, but he's like, oh, Jock number two. Yeah. Jock number two. He's like, oh, I just, uh, I just calmed it down. I like, I milked it. And, uh, and Jason's like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a male cow. Yeah. How many others did it have? One? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, kid, uh, teens love sex and, and poop jokes. Kid, teens love that shit. I mean, it, it it felt realistic. Yep. And we also like those jokes, as we established in our previous episode. Procon so. <laughs> loves sex and poop jokes. 
Um, but a really interesting shot in this whole sequence of um, of Jason and his friends getting busted by the cops at their at their high school prank. Um, Jason runs into his car and he drives away from the cops. And it's a really early shot, but like the the camera is set within his car as he tries to escape the cops, and the camera does a full three hundred and sixty degree rotation four separate times. So it is a fourteen forty degree continuous shot. Um, Mr. Which Math I was, nerd over here. Oh, Google, what is three hundred and sixty times four? <laughs> but seriously, like I, I was not expecting that. Um, it's 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 it, it's an odd choice for a Power Rangers movie. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't um, expecting it. Some of the cinematography is pretty decent. Yeah, it it really is. That kicks off this very like Breakfast Club esque setup. Um, oh yeah, because. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason gets detention for the rest of the school year, um, and he meets, um, I think it's only two other rangers, right? It's Kimberly, only, the pink ranger, Kimberly and Billy, yeah. and Billy, the blue ranger. We we can talk later, like, why they're there. Um, that's established at the campfire scene. Billy is being bullied because he's, you know, the nerdy one, and then Jason stands up for him, um, and they, they like, kind of kick off a friendship or, like, a ostensible friendship a very tenuous friendship <laughs> i mean what's what's cool about this like this bit of the movie the meat of the movie is um it feels really believable about like why they would spend time together and it also feels believable when that kind of like mercenary mutual satisfaction uh time together develops into a friendship right yeah so um because jason uh, did this prank and then like his he basically uh, ran his car into cop cars uh, he's mm-hmm. on house arrest as opposed to going to jail um, he gets house arrest and detention so he has like an ankle uh, monitor and um, he wants to like get out of the house after 7 p.m uh, just to like I don't know you know do what teens do yeah. Uh, yeah and then um, Billy um, also wants to do what some kids do which is uh blow a hole in a mountain <laughs> oh shit the fuck up at a mine yeah. um because <laughs> him and his uh departed father uh, would go collect things at this yeah. like local gold mine uh it takes place in california i believe shot in vancouver is my understanding and angel grove in the tv show is like the the prototypical like california city yeah yeah um so Billy being a nerd, a science nerd, is able to um like he he puts like a Faraday cage. Is that what they're called? Faraday cages? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, good good job, Lewis, scientist Lewis. <laughs> uh, yeah, Faraday cage. It, it disrupts the uh it disrupts like the magnetic field or the electric the electrical field around the um the ankle monitor and he does like he pops it open and he gets the battery out. And he does like a science whiz thing, and uh, and that's that cements their friendship. Then they they take um, Billy's mom's minivan to a gold mine, um, so Billy can blow a hole in it uh, and and collect <laughs> something that he he want, he, well, he just wants to dig deeper because him and his dad used to dig, and they just never got yeah. that deep into the mountain. Yeah, that's that's um, what it is. Um, understandably, because not most people would think, uh, let me put dynamite in a gold mine. That's uh, operational gold mine. Uh, um what's also interesting about the scene is this is when um billy tells jason that he's on the spectrum Uh, he's he's on the he's on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. in um what's what's kind of mind-blowing about the scene it's like yeah it 
it is um, character exposition in in dialogue, so it's it's kind of inevitably clunky, but it is told like very matter of factly. Um, Jason makes a joke about it, but it isn't a mean spirited joke. And Bill responds like, "Oh yeah, right. you were probably joking, but I didn't get it." Blah, blah blah. And it's done very like respectfully, but without an excessive amount of of weird like tension around it. Um, I don't know. It, it it felt very natural and very respectful without being like awkward at all. Yeah, for sure. Like they didn't even have to over explain like what being on the spectrum means. I mean, they yeah. just like they assume the audience understands like what being something. On the, yeah, some aspect of like the autism spectrum, what that means to yeah. some degree. Um, yeah. And then we meet the rest of the crew in this moment as well. Um, we meet uh, Zach, uh, who eventually comes the Black Ranger. He lives nearby in like a trailer park and he kind of just like hangs out at, on like the um just at the on the mine property mm-hmm. um he, he has it, like a little uh caboose that he yeah has, like, an caboose. <laughs> yeah, his yeah, fort like, or whatever yeah he's like a like a 30s hobo but like it's yeah it's just his fort <laughs> yeah. it's not even actually attached to tracks anymore yeah um uh we meet trini who is um she's listening to like death metal while doing yoga or something oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's on like very... a rock she's doing like some like karate kid moves on like a rock <laughs> yeah 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 and then um and then kimberly is um is swimming and that's where jason meets with her uh in like a in a flooded like um like mine vein or something of rock yeah um so then billy actually blows up a portion of the mountain they all go um to see what happened and that's when they find um this like glass surface basically um that he blew open um i thought it was like maybe where like so in the opening scene of this film um it's established that the power rangers were on earth at the same time as the dinosaurs yep um and that uh rita repulsa who is the antagonist of this film was once the green ranger um and then she betrayed the rangers so in a last ditch effort after she killed all but the red ranger who is the character Zordon, who we'll get to pretty soon. Um, he, like, calls down, like, a meteor strike on yep. Earth. So he actually uh, does the mass extinction of the dinosaurs. He uses he uses an age of mythology god power um, as a last-ditch <laughs> effort. And, yeah, yeah, he um, he destroys his corporeal form and and hides the, the morphine coins from Rita Repulsa. Yeah. So I thought like the glass would be like where maybe like a, a meteor strikes, basically, sure. I guess. Sure. I don't know. I mean, because li- li- like when a lightning strike happens, if it hits like sand or dirt, it can turn into glass. So yeah. That was, again, you... science. We know science. Hey, here. science. Pro- yeah. Science. Power Rangers. <laughs> we are pro-science. Uh, we know it's real. We we know science is real, folks. We're pro-con and pro-sci. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, they all get their coins, and then they have this they have this really fun chase scene where they're they're driving in their van and they're they're running from the the mine security. Um, yes, it starts off with Jason and Billy in the car, and then as they as they zoom out of the mine, they slowly pick up the other three. Um, and like yeah, Zach, Zach like jumps on jumps on the roof. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh fuck it, I'm, I'm being behind. Yeah, um, at that point I was like, okay, so this car is gonna get totaled, and like, what is gonna right. happen? Like, what is what is Billy's mom gonna say when this thing gets totaled? Um, yeah. And then it gets hit by a train. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and this is actually a weak part of the narrative because, like, why it 
they they all wake up the next day in their beds and they're like safe and they're, they're kind of freaked out because they don't know what happened. But is the implication that like Zordon transported them there, or is the implication that like the the armor took over in in random home or something? I don't know. I I I assume the latter. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I guess like the armor took over and yeah. they just like went home basically, yeah. um, or it's just like such a jolt that um, the at least the powers kicked in and then they like all blacked out because it's like such a an event to have like these um yeah these power coins interact with your human physiology and then sure. like it would black you out but it would get you to safety as well sure. Sure. um you know again science yeah and i mean um that kicks off they they start learning about their their physical uh, strengths like they, they gain strength and speed and durability and, and reflexes and all that shit um they they jump around the mine they jump in a, in a kind of a cool scene they they jump across this big crevice and it's done very clearly with wires so like yeah. they actually jumped over this giant cliff which is pretty dope yeah, I'm, and I made sure it was actually wire work, so I I couldn't find a lot of actual like behind the scenes footage without like probably actually buying the DVD or Blu-ray. Um, but sure. I found a few clips on YouTube, and one of the clips was just a montage of behind the scenes um, mm-hmm. shots, and one of them was um, they got cranes and then they put everybody in harnesses, so and they actually did uh, wire work jumps over okay. those uh, over that crevice. Um, and it's cool. I mean, it's obvious from the actual shots that it's not CGI. Um, right. They use some slow-mo. Um, they actually have some some sparse usages of, of slow-mo in the film, but uh, they're, they're pretty well done. Yeah. Not too many that I can th- even think of. Um, some later in the film. Yeah, I'm sure. But it's not a lot. Um, some of the fight scenes, basically. Yeah. Um, so at this point, this is when they uh, finally meet uh, their mentor of sorts zordon and the robot alpha five yeah um they actually well billy's the last one to jump across the crevice and uh he actually (laughs) he falls down the crevice (laughs) and he yells up hey it's water here everybody come on down so they all jump down um and they keep swimming and they're swimming and swimming and they find that actually the water stops at one point it's kind of like a wall of water that they can reach their hand through and, yeah, it's, um, it's a cool, it's a cool effect. Yeah, it's a cool effect, and I'm gonna go uh, cinema history on y'all motherfuckers right now. Oh uh, shit! The uh, French poet Jean Cocteau, uh, he had made three uh, films. I, I think he made more, but oh, I know he made more. But there's a trilogy he made, the the Orpheus trilogy, and uh, I believe it's the second film. Don't quote me on that, but it's it's called Orpheus. It's it's it was made in 1950. Um, and all three of the films uh, have mirrors as uh, as like these these symbols uh, for something. I don't know. I've actually never seen these films, but mm. I, I watched these clips enough in film school that I it, it, it left a brand upon the brain here. Um, yes. So uh, there's one scene in Orpheus where like a character reaches into a mirror and like mm. puts his hand through the mirror. That's a lot like what happens in this scene. Uh, Billy extends his hand through the wall of water, and you see it refracted on the other side. This also happens in Prince of Darkness, uh, the John Carpenter film, Hell yeah. the, which has heavy, um, makes heavy use of that mirror imagery and like re- reaching through a mirror. Yeah, cool shit. And again, another um, 
cinematography trick that's kind of really out of left field for for the power rangers movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was surprised by when i first saw it yeah so then we meet zordon and alpha five um zordon had has uh previously been established that he died uh in the paleolithic era or jurassic era whatever era Uh, dinosaurs died in uh, the the mesozoic era they they say that in the film they do that they do actually say that in the film that's right um (laughs) so he's like just he's like in a wall basically like his face is like projected in this wall also the the wall it, it for a 90s flashback thing do you remember those um those uh pictures that were made out of needles like there yes. were like a bunch of needles stacked on top of each other mm-hmm. and um you could like push your face through it or you could push your hand through it for like a temporary imprint that, that was like a huge thing when i was a kid in the 90s yep. so like mm-hmm. maybe they were touching on that with the the design of zordon here yeah i thought about that as well those like plastic frames that had on one side um all these needles and the other yeah. side had a piece of glass or pla- hard plastic and then you could yeah you could put like an imprint of your hand or your face or a toy or something yeah i thought that was probably what they were going for as well yeah but yeah zordon's actually kind of an asshole to the kids <laughs> he is a huge asshole in this movie i i kind of appreciated that though yeah me too I, I I did like that um, they didn't make him like this all wise, all knowing being that I remember him uh, as in the in the original show. Super boring. Yeah, super boring. No personality. But here, I mean, he's voiced by Brian Cranston, so it makes sense. He's an asshole. That's what Brian Cranston does well. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And then uh, I loved Bill Hader as Alpha Five. Um, so Bill Hader is yes. one of the cops in Super Bad. Yes. And he's a, he was an SNL writer and cast member. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he just basically like plays Zordon's hype man throughout like every yes. scene. Like Zordon will say something and then like Alpha Five will just like repeat it. He's like, yeah, that's right, Zordon. <laughs> and when he introduces, he's like, and here is the mighty Zordon. <laughs> like, <laughs> His yeah, voice isn't, isn't as annoying as like the original Alpha Five voice. Like the, the original Alpha Five voice, I think for all uh, millennials who watch this show, like you can just like instantly recall that voice. Yep. Um, there, and there, there was a line of dialogue where the Bill Hader uh, Alpha Five says, I, 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 Right. Yeah. yeah that, that was the Alpha Five's catchphrase from the original. Yeah. So basically the rest of this film is, is like just a training montage, like an extended training montage. And then some instances of uh, reader repulsa antagonism. Yeah. Uh, Jason's father, who is like a deadliest catch fisherman, hauls up reader repulsa's dead body in one of his, oh, yeah. his hauls of fish. Um, Jason's father actually is, is the the asshole uh, fiance of Pam from The Office. Um, <laughs> yeah, the guy who works in the yeah, loading dock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The douchebag frat fail son, um, ex-fiance of Pam. Yeah, he, he randomly, they, they haul off this, like, this desiccated, mummified corpse of, um, of Rita Repulsa, and they throw her in the fish hold, and they call the police when they get back to Angel Grove. And of course, she wakes up and, like, starts slaughtering policemen and stealing gold, which we'll get into in a second. But yeah, I guess that's kind of a weak link. Like, she, she just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's strange. Um, but... She's great. I mean, Elizabeth Banks is great as Rita. Yeah, she's really good. I've seen a lot of um, criticisms of the film that, like, she's basically acting in a different movie than everybody else. Um, But to that I say, so what? Uh, Fuck you. Yeah, it's it's, uh, that can be folded into the meta-narrative of the film because she is from an earlier era and she thinks she's above the Power Rangers, but, like, they're teens with attitude, which is what Zordon wants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it makes sense, like... 
thematically as well in, in the actual film like she's been dead she gets reborn so she's kind of in this like frantic state um she's acting very like feral she really felt like a witch too like like this yeah. like mm-hmm. flesh hungry vicious a am- completely immoral witch from space yeah i mean and that's the character she's supposed to be you know the original rita repulsa is is more like campy i guess you could say mm-hmm. um but this one is 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 that more yeah like uh ferocious and uh yeah like quite scary classic uh, european uh witch character and um the scene that best exemplifies this i think is when so she, she's gathering gold um wherever she can get it uh the, like the element gold to build goldar her her minion so that goldar can find uh here we get into the crazy exposition the the life crystal of earth because every planet (laughs) that has life in the galaxy has a life crystal and if you kill the life crystal of a planet it kills all earth in the planet so like that's her goal um was it established that all planets with life have power rangers i I distinctly remember that part um every, every planet with life has a power crystal what we don't know is why she betrayed zordon and went crazy and wants to destroy well i think it was just like power hungry i think it was that kind of throwaway line sure but yeah i mean it works i mean i you get you get swept up in the story but like a little more motive to rita would have been nice Mm -hmm. um i agree but while she's looking for gold to construct goldar um she goes into like this it's like a Zales or like a, like a some kind of, it's like <laughs> yeah. kind of like jewelry store. Like a I think it's mall. called Phoenix, like F-E-N-I-X. I'm not even sure if that's a real jewelry store, but I, I distinctly remember the name. Okay, because uh, that's how they spell the, the name Phoenix in StarCraft for the character Phoenix. Um, huh, yeah, that yeah. was it was a reference to that. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but she's, she acts all crazy in, in the, 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 the bougie uh, employee, like turns up her nose at her and hits a sound alarm for the police. And she tries to distract her, and Rita's like, oh, "Give me your gold from your teeth and your your, your <laughs> earlobes and your neck." Ah! And she goes, she's like acting all weird and like drooling everywhere. And then the poli- she like melts the gold as well. Like she puts it in her mouth, and it just like melts. Yeah, she eats the gold and melts it, and then it becomes part of her staff, which is pretty dope. Her staff weapon. And then the cop jumps in, and he's like, "Freeze, freeze! Drop your weapon!" And she doesn't do it. And so, in a really like fuck cops but i don't really recall this happening often in genre pieces like this like the cop actually shoots her when she doesn't comply right which which he he tells her like drop your weapon drop your weapon or i'll shoot you and she doesn't and he actually shoots her it's a small thing but it's like a small physical beat in this kind of genre movie that you don't see often and i appreciated it on that like kind of tactile level but of course she gets up and um, she runs at the cop and she blocks a shot and then she blocks a second shot and the second shot hits one of the bystanders and you see him in the background. So we have like foreground action and we have background action happening and you see the bystander who is hit in the leg. He like he screams in pain and he tries to crawl away. And it, It's just like a shockingly like layered uh, action scene in the again in the Power Rangers movie, which I was not expecting. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that the the shot you're referencing is actually the last shot of the jewelry store. It's a pretty long shot too because yeah. it's like, I think like it's foreground gun going off, yeah. middle ground Rita um like parrying mm-hmm. a, you know, a scatter shot basically. Yeah. And then uh background this yuppie couple, uh the man of the couple being uh, struck in the leg by the ricochet. 
Um, and then she also brings uh, her first putty, um, her golem-esque yeah. monster, to life in that same shot. It doesn't even cut, I don't think. It's like she's like, rise, my putty. It's been so long since I've seen you. Um, That's crazy. And then, like, it goes slow motion. This is an instance of slow motion. It goes right. slow motion. She brings a putty to life, and, like, the store basically, like explodes not like with fire but like the the like jewelry counters like explode upwards a shattering of glass and jewels um it's it's a crazy fucking shot it's a crazy scene this movie is better than every marvel movie just (laughs) based on the scene alone (laughs) Uh, and the putty's pretty cool in this one and the putties in general these are great um, in this movie in this film yeah so originally the putties were very much like the power rangers just like guys in these like spandex gray suits with like these craggy face masks um they didn't speak they just fought um, oh the sound they made was (laughs) i don't remember that that's incredible (laughs) it's like it's like baboons like hooting like (laughs) yeah wow um but in in this film they're more golem-esque yeah they're very much like the thing from marvel comics um this composite of of rock and other debris in this in this scene especially um they're like they have these pieces of like plumbing pipe in their in their craggy exterior and later on they have like um stop signs and like oh yeah yeah. and then that's that's really cool and oh and at the um at the mine they have like pieces of like rebar sticking out of them yes which is really Mm -hmm. cool it reminded yeah. me of um, the the Storm Atronox from the Elder Scrolls series. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell there, yeah. There's one for you gamers out there. That's right. But, yeah, no, they're, they're a cool design. Um, and they all look different, too. Like, I don't think any one putty looks alike. Some putties no. have, like, two faces. Some of them have, like, four arms. Some of them have three legs. And even though, like, the Power Rangers can beat them, they still felt formidable. So they, yeah. they, they avoid that, like, Star Wars prequel problem of, like, a Jedi can mow down like a hundred battle droids. And like, e- even though any one power ranger can beat any one putty, they still have to like work at it. it it's not like a, it's not. And, and that was a problem to the original series too. Like one power ranger could like plow through like dozens of, of putty patrol. But in this movie, like they actually have to work at it a little bit. And you, you get the sense that like five putties could like take out a power ranger. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we get that uh, in two scenes. Um, basically, there's the there's a training montage that we alluded to earlier. It's in an area called the pit um, within the spaceship that is within the mine. Um, so it's it's this training atmosphere, a lot like um, what's it called? Is it the what's the room in, in X Men called? The danger room. The danger room. The da- it's a lot like the danger room yeah, like yeah, it, you yeah. know it has holograms holographic that creates, yeah hard yeah. So hard, hard light constructs yes hard light constructs of the putties um and like the majority of the training montage is the the rangers just getting their asses handed to them by these yeah. putty monsters and what was really cool is they they spar with each other and they they even spar with alpha five at one point oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but it, it's it's like little things like that like i i think uh, a lesser film adaptation of power rangers like would have them just fighting the the simulated putties but the fact that they fought in like sparred with each other and even alpha 5 jumps in and like they it's more of like a wholesome complete training like training experience yeah 
And we should say also Alpha 5 kicks their ass at first. Yes, he does. He, <laughs> Alpha 5 His arms like extend and he's just like throwing them around and stuff. Yes. Um, there's also a funny part where like he's teaching them how to do this one move where like you dodge a hit and then you get behind the putty and then like you grab them and do like a suplex basically. Is that a suplex um, or is that a full Nelson? I don't know. I don't remember. So it's, one of, it's, move, it's one of those uh, wrestling jargon. things where you, you grab your opponent and then you tip yourself over backwards but because you're grabbing your opponent they hit the ground before your head can right yeah so like their head will hit the ground first right um so but yeah he's doing that to like this baby putty it's pretty yes. it's pretty funny yeah it's yeah <laughs> it's he's fun. not tall he's a very small little robot for any of you who've never seen the show uh, power rangers before. he's yeah he's, he's like hobbit sized yeah um and what's what's fun about the training montage, or what's good about it, is uh, they incorporate a lot of scenes of like the the Rangers going to school and shit, and like Billy is working in his his workshop in his basement, and Jason is like watching the football team practice without him, and it, it it's really workman like stuff. It's it's like standard montage stuff, but um, yeah, I don't know the 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 kids just sell it. Like the 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 five Power Ranger kid actors, they they have good chemistry, and they feel like believable kids without feeling like they're acting like being believable kids yeah i I agree um so um that's a good segue into the the campfire scene yeah um which is uh i think directly after the uh pit training montage um because they they're not meshing well they they can't uh morph morph, yet yeah um they they feel that um they have to get to know each other better before they can morph um, so they all kind of start telling secrets. Yeah. So so basically, there, there's a ticking talk. There's a ticking time clock element. Um, they know that Rita is resurrected. They know Rita is trying to find the 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 crystal, the life crystal. Um, so they have to morph. Zordon's like, you you guys have to morph now so you can fight Rita. Um, I think they have eleven days, and I think at some points, like uh, Jason during the montage is even like putting yeah, a tally mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they just start telling secrets so they are able to morph hopefully the next day. Um my favorite one, my favorite character really is is Zack, uh the Black Ranger. So um he's Asian American. He lives in a trailer home uh in a trailer park close to the the mine. Uh, that's why he just like goes there to like, you know, vent his frustrations and just get away for a while. Um he and his mom live together um, and he takes care of her. She has some ailment that um, they don't, you know, go into detail with. But Hollywood, he has to give Hollywood her, sickness, honestly. It's yeah, like... Hollywood sickness. Exactly. Um, he has to give her her uh, medication at certain times of the day. Um, they play chess together. Um, but around the campfire, like he like yells, my mom is the best. <laughs> yeah, he just screams that. He's because he's like the badass of the group, right? He he's he's supposed to be like yeah. the, the tough, the tough hard ass, and then he just screams, right. "My mom's the best." Yeah. So like other people have problems with their family, but he his problem is that like he loves his mom so much, and his mom is ailing. Um, yeah. It's just yeah, I just I feel like we don't really see that in a teen movie very often. And he he says that he doesn't go home often because he doesn't like to see her sick. Right. Which is a very human sentiment. Yeah. And I, I think he says something like he doesn't want to see her die either. Like he he just wants to, you know, maybe one day come home and, and she's and she, gone right. and he doesn't have to, right. you know, bear that that um that burden of um, you know, witnessing that. Um which could not be easy, I imagine, for a teenager. 
Yeah, and the the other rangers have their share of problems. Uh, Trini, the, her family moves around a lot, so she she represses and she completely cuts herself off from everyone else. Uh, Billy um, struggles with his his spectrum, um, with with him being on the spectrum and with with being bullied because of it. Uh, Jason, of course, had acted out and he got arrested, and he he had been the star quarterback, and so the whole town hates him. And Kimberly, we don't learn it here. But uh, we learn it right. a few scenes later on. She had, um, it's kind of confusing, but like one of her friends had sent her her boy, her ex-boyfriend an explicit photo. Well, no, I think what happened was, I yeah, actually don't know where how she got the explicit photo. I'm not sure how that happened. She said, this girl sent me this photo. Okay. But then, so she, but then she right. also said... Like, my boyfriend was looking at it, and so I thought he was, like, cheating on me with her. Oh, okay. It, yeah. it, it's, it's really muddled, and, like... It is muddled. It, it was trying to be topical and touch on, like, issues of, like, revenge porn and, like, revenge porn being sent among your peers and and how people get implicated in that. Um, but the point is, she sh- she leaked that photo to other people, and so she feels guilt over that. Mm-hmm. And I, that aspect is interesting, right? Like that she is, is. not the victim; she is the She's victimizer, a perpetrator. Yeah, and and, and yeah. up up until the reveal, she was depicted as like one one of like the more sympathetic person of the team, right? Yeah, there there's some uh, there's some scenes between her and the other cheerleaders, and like yeah. it seems like they're bullying her, and and they like are cutting her out of uh, their life because of something that for just some for some bullshit reason but then we realize oh no it's it's substantial (laughs) right pretty fucked up right and um yeah it's just like a very complex contemporary issue that was like introduced a a little too slipshod but um Mm -hmm. but but the point is she feels guilt over something bad she did from a narrative perspective Um, and we should also say that billy um not only is it that like he's on the spectrum and bullied, but like he says, and this is another interesting uh, beat for him. So as we said previously, he would go to the mine with his father. His father had died a few years previously. Um, and um, he says like, he doesn't miss his father much yeah. anymore. Yeah. And, and like, he hopes his mom like finds somebody else. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And that's goddamn the, uh, the, the, teen the teen angst in this movie it 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 resonates like like fuck me but power rangers 2017 has (laughs) has layered characterization um i was reminded of like the animorph series that i was addicted to as a kid um and even recently i I recently did a whole read through the entire of the the entire (laughs) series but like um teen soldiers in like this fantastical extra like extra galactic war um, but being bound together by their shared, uh, their shared, uh, grief and their shared depression and their shared issues that they deal with. Um, I was reminded very much of that and, and that's kind of a nineties thing, but it was updated, uh, pretty well in this movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, just one last thing about this campfire scene. So Billy, um, the actor who plays him is African-American and he's like, I have a confession. This is the first thing he says, actually, yes, at the campfire yes. scene. He's like, I have a confession, folks. I love country music. <laughs> um, so yes. he's like, basically like the proto uh, little Nas X. Hell uh, yes. Like the whole like yeehaw agenda stuff going on. Like he, he, super, he preceded that uh, two years ago. The real, the real patron saint of Procon is Lil Nas X, who <laughs> fucking, fucking um, 
Old Town Road is a fucking banger. Everyone should go listen to it, it now. If you somehow have yes. not listened to it yet. Do it now. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe that should be the closing track to this episode. Eh, I don't know. It's not that relevant. Yeah, it's true. It's not that relevant. Um, and unfortunately, it was used in the trailer for the new Rambo film. Oh, God. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Lil Nas deserves that money. He deserves that Rambo money. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully um, he gets it. I yeah. don't, you know, who knows, like, who owns that track. We but. should uh, link in the episode notes to this ep- to this episode um, the the footage of when he does the concert at the, the little kid's school. Oh, yeah. Which is <laughs> That's fucking incredible. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. We can um, do that. We'll put that in the show notes. I guess one last thing we should talk about while we're talking about, like, the identities of the Rangers. Um, oh, there is one more that we didn't mention. Trini is gay. Oh, yeah. So there, there's two things. Um Trini is, they allude to it that she is possibly gay or bisexual. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They they say like, oh, do you have problems with boyfriends? And she's like, no. Do you have a problem with girlfriends? And she doesn't answer. So like that, that right. that's like, we're still not at the point in 2019 where we can have openly gay like superheroes on screen. I know Marvel is very hesitant to do that because of like the international market, specifically China, which has like, some institutionalized uh resistance to that kind of kind of representation on screen but yeah we we get arguably the first like non-straight superhero on screen yeah so we have the first one on the spectrum first gay one first yeehaw agenda one hell yes um the first first redeemable jock one the first revenge porn monster one And um, uh, the first, like, caregiver as well, taking care mm, of an elderly Yeah, our boy Zach. Parent. Um, yeah. the, the other thing I was going to mention is, like, one of the unfortunate dated aspects of, of Power Rangers is, like, um, I mean, read as much into this as you want to, but the Black Ranger in the original series was the only black guy, and the Yellow Ranger mm-hmm. in the original series was the only Asian character. A little very on the nose, and um, they they did some some uh representation juggling in this episode in, in this movie to um just neatly sidestep that yeah mm-hmm. which was for the Definitely. best honestly it just it was for the just, best yeah i mean I, it, we couldn't do that in 2017 right like you couldn't be oh like my oh God. the yellow ranger is the asian person <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be the blue ranger is a cop uh. Thankfully, he's not this time around, folks. But, yeah, no, he's uh, not. But I'm uh, sure some right-wing asshole has, has thought that before. God, the Blue, blue Lives Matter Ranger. Um, the original Blue Ranger actually has a, a somewhat sad story. Uh, yeah. The actor who played him, David Yost, yep. um, he is gay. Um, people uh, in the production of the original series knew he was gay at the time, and uh, he was bullied on set, uh, the original Power Rangers show and movie, uh, and that's why he doesn't go to Comic-Con. Uh, anymore good or fuck, never never has fuck comic con doesn't do any yeah fuck yeah. comic con fuck promoting an old series that you were in a thousand years ago um but yeah it's it's uh it's unfortunate yeah. um i hope he is living his best life now away from those terrible people yeah definitely anyway moving on to to happier territory uh what happens next <laughs> like rita so they, they confront rita right rita, yeah they confront rita oh no um, and the, no rita confronts trini in her home Rita confronts Trini in her home and she's like and uh, I actually don't like this scene I didn't think about it much the first time but the second time around it's like oddly queer coded yeah because Trini's the only potentially queer character and like 
Elizabeth Banks is like rubbing her body all over this other actor. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it it is pretty like hot lesbians making out for yeah, yeah kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but she just like throws her around and uh, threatens her and says like, "Oh, you have to meet up uh, at where the dead uh, ships lie, which is the is the dockyard, right, basically." Right. Um, so they all go and, and, and they're like, and she she says like, if you don't betray the rest of the rangers uh, or if you do betray them i'll spare you right which right. which does play upon trini's like outsider status like from a character perspective mm-hmm. i guess right yeah so then they still haven't morphed yet at this point yeah they haven't uh, so they just go confront her without having the morphing ability and that was kind of that was really heroic like they they grab like mm-hmm. chains and pipes and they're like we're gonna do this like we're gonna fight her even though we're probably gonna die but like we're 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 the only ones that can like do it. So we're, 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 we're going to make the attempt. Yeah. I mean, they explicitly say that um, they meet up at like the football field first and they're like, fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah. this is it. I mean, either she destroys everybody or uh, we, we actually attempt to stop um, an apocalypse. So yeah, they, they fail in this moment. However, yeah, they do. she does, she does overpower them. They do need their suits to fight her. And then she ties them all up against a boat and um she drowns billy um, billy dies billy dies actually after she she is going to kill zach because she wants to find the location of the crystal which billy has figured out by now and she's like if you don't tell me i'll kill zach and then billy tells her and then she's like i have to kill one of you to, to send a point to zordon and so she kills billy right yeah so she kills billy um she like just lets the the wince go on the that was holding him right he drops into the bay and he's tied up so we can't do anything about that and then like i actually was like oh they'll just like do cpr on him but like for some reason they didn't (laughs) i think he he was dead by the time they pulled him out yeah i guess so because it took him a while to like struggle out of their out of the rope yeah but he does come back to life (laughs) yeah i mean they, they haul him back to zordon and this was an interesting little bit of character growth on zordon's part because mm-hmm. we, we find out throughout the course of the training montage that Zordon was actually using them to access the the the, the quote unquote morphing grid, which like lets them which, which lets them morph into the Power Ranger suits. Um, because once the morphing grid is open, it generates enough power or something to bring someone back to life, right. or like on, yeah. only one time. And um, he he was using them so that he could come back to life and, and fight Rita. But um, when he sees Billy's corpse, there, there's such like strong positive emotion among the surviving rangers that it opens up the Morphin Matrix. Um, but instead of walking through it himself, Zordon pushes Billy's spirit through and resurrects Billy in place of himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an interesting character beat for Zordon um, because before this, and maybe even this is an aspect of it, uh, Zordon really was our fail son yes. for this episode. Yes, <laughs> Felsen <laughs> Zordon, we we have we have a cool, diverse, like enthusiastic, sincere group of friends who like they they teenagers who've been like beaten down by life, but they're they're still like fighting the good fight, and they're still like positive and enthusiastic. And we have Zordon, this crusty old fuck stuck in his spaceship, who like <laughs> hangs out with a robot toy. Um, yeah, he's a Felsen. Yeah, and then he he can't even resurrect himself. Um, but no, no, he just stays he, dead. But again, that's not. It's it's a nice thing he did. Yeah, of course. He it it was legit character growth on his part. Yeah, 
but he still owned. Fuck you, Zordon. <laughs> Fuck you, Zord- Zordon the Zionist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zordon's the true villain of this film, yeah. actually, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, they morph, and they, they have the cool suits. And the cool thing about the suits is, like, um, it's mostly, like, skin tight, but it's mm-hmm. still armor. And then they're, yeah. and they're, like, pieces of armor that are, like, actual armor, that like like the helmets and the shoulder pads and everything. Um, but that that was like a cool update on the original uh, Power Ranger outfits, which is spandex and a helmet, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I I like the designs to a point. I, cool I think, in um, concept. They were yeah, cool in concept, but over designed. Yes. But what is interesting, uh, you know, like I said, I had watched some behind the scenes footage, and they actually did make the suits. So it's there are some shots where they are actually wearing, you know, physical suits. It is a costume. There is some CGI, but a lot of the time it is a costume. They should have... The, the suits are over-designed, and the, the Zords are over-designed, but they, they should have, like, simplified the designs and just kept the goddamn suits in every shot. Yeah. That would have been mm. so much better. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of over-designed trash, however, uh, the the robots yep. that Power Rangers have are called Zords. Zords. Um, and they, they have to, so in the original series, they're mostly dinosaurs plus a saber tooth tiger, uh, and a mammoth, a woolly mammoth. And, um, a, ter- a pteranodon or a pterodactyl is not a, is not a right. dinosaur. Okay. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I've given up being a science person. Uh, <laughs> pro con pro science. <laughs> also scientist is the word, not science person. Uh, yes. but whatever. Yeah, so in this film, they have to explain why they look like dinosaurs. Yeah, no, you don't. It's cool shit. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. So they say, like, oh, they the these robots take the form of, like, the most powerful creatures on the planet when they came to that planet. So, you know, they came during the Mesozoic era or whatever, so it was dinosaurs. Although, obviously, a saber-toothed tiger and a woolly mammoth didn't exist at the same time. Yeah, so, like... Or at the same time as dinosaurs. And, and what's so confusing and disappointing about the Zord design, like... The, it's it's like uh transformers from the, the michael bay transformer movies um, oh yeah they're, they're mm-hmm. really really over designed uh mess of like overlapping metal plates and overlapping metal like sections and um i can understand like especially from a japanese perspective um i think of things like gundam or evangelion where there's giant right. robots and half the appeal of the giant robots is like the insane amount of detail that you put into these these creations like little technical screws and like little little tiny interlocking plates but you have to you have to contrast that with these giant blank sections of armor mm-hmm. like you can't right. you can't go overboard in the tiny details on every square inch of surface like they do in the transformers and like they do in this movie um yeah, yeah. there there has to be like a defined silhouette with um with large blank sections, but also with some detail in there too. Like, but yeah, the, the, these these zords look like trash. They do look like trash, and I don't know why they did this, but like Zach's zord is the mammoth, the woolly mammoth, and it has like six legs and mm-hmm. like two horns, as opposed to like um, the the tusks. It's it's just a mess of a thing. It it uh, it's the first zord we see as yeah. well. He he has control. He takes control of his zord before everybody else does. Yeah. And it is it is trash. Honestly, if um, if I didn't know this beforehand, I I wouldn't be able to tell you what the the yellow sword or the black sword is. 
like the yeah the the mm-hmm. red the red one's obviously a t-rex it looks just like a t-rex the the blue one is the triceratops like that's the other most famous dinosaur it has like the, the horns and shit and um the pink one flies so like obviously you know what that is but um but yeah the the black zord is just like this multi-legged mess and the yellow zord just runs around fast yeah yeah it was unfortunate yeah. i was i was disappointed when i had seen um the original i think i saw like action figures first yeah and that's how so many of these movies these blockbusters are, are spoiled nowadays is is action figures um that had leaked well before the movie comes out or before the trailer even comes out i did read that this movie made most of its money from action figure toy sales i'm not surprised yeah. by that yeah. i'm not surprised yeah although i mean the action figures look like shit because these things look like shit yes, they do unfortunately <laughs> Um, and then they, the, the Zords go down to Angel Grove and they fight the Putty Patrols, uh, the, the, the Legion of Rita's, uh, Putty Army. They fight Rita and they also fight Goldar, who even more than the Zords looks like shit. Yeah. He looks like, he looks like gold shit. Yeah. Like literally looks like gold shit. Um, the, like oozing gold, like pus shit so from the original show goldar was a hybrid lion chicken with blue skin and red eyes and black hair um encased in chicken though i don't know if i would say chicken i mean he had wings his but feet I would say he was a chicken claws. okay so he's like more of like a griffin but like uh, rever- or like a reverse griffin okay almost. he he's like a griffin yeah a reverse griffin that's that's actually a very a good humanoid that. reverse griffin because he's bipedal yes he's bipedal and um his his, his lower sword his lower half he is has... is hawk his upper half is lion so yeah reverse griffin and he's got a sword and he he's one of the longest running um villains from that era of power rangers and he he talks like a goofus and he can fly around and whatever he's really cheesy but here he's translated as like a giant gold golem and the only cool thing about his design was that he was hollow Mm -hmm. he was like yeah that was interesting it was like gold that was like spun around and around and around to form like a neck like like a a a man shape with nothing inside which is cool but besides that he just looks like goopy gold shit Mm -hmm. yeah it's unfortunate um and this is a a bit of a side note here but um there is a ongoing run of the power rangers uh in comic form yeah um i forget who puts it out it might be titan comics um but it's worth checking out actually the the initial run ended i believe last year early this year um written by kyle v higgins um and goldar uh, features prominently in the middle of the run, actually him and Billy. Um, so this is based off the original series. Um, and, uh, there's a portion where like him and Billy get stuck in like this pocket dimension together and they have to like escape. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, it's a great comic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a seven volume run, like trade paperback. Um, and then it's, it's ongoing, but just with a different, uh, creator, um, at this point. Okay. But, um, it's good worth checking out uh back to the the film however so yeah there's just a big fight scene in downtown angel grove it's fine yeah honestly it's a serviceable fight scene um at one point so <laughs> we didn't mention this but the life crystal is actually under a crispy cream yes. <laughs> yes it's under the crispy cream and they have to defend the crispy cream from goldar and the, and the putties yeah so um he does destroy the Krispy Kreme store and he finds the uh crystal and it opens like this giant pit 
and uh, the Zords are like all on the edge of the pit and Jason's like, hold the line, you know, just like his, his football training, uh, hold the line. And they're all holding the line and Goldar just pushes them all in the pit and you think, oh, they're all dead. That's the end of the movie. But no, uh, this initiates the, the uh, combination uh, of the Zords into the Megazord. Oh, yes. Um, they, they interlock yep. um, all five of them to create one big uh, robot um and it's pretty awesome and uh it's pretty cool yeah. it's actually it's a better design again not perfect a lot of the you know similar uh, problems nick just mentioned right but um mo- definitely more comprehensible than any of the than any of its constituent zords mm-hmm. it, it looks and acts like a human silhouette it uh it has clearly like clearly defined limbs like you can tell like what what yeah. different limbs are doing uh the the pteranodon wings become swords that it pulls off its back and it stabs gold cool. yeah it's pretty cool yeah and what's was also I wasn't expecting that yeah it was also awesome. really cool is um they have to all act in concert like they all have to act in teamwork and so they're like shouting out to each other like move the move the right leg move the left arm and they have to like time their actions like that because each each individual person is is in control of a different limb basically um but yeah no like like it 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 acts as a really really heavy-handed but cool metaphor for teamwork but like that's what the megazord is the megazord is teamwork um yeah made made literal uh and of of Mm -hmm. course they beat goldar and they they slap um rita into space and she flies off into space and she's frozen kind of like team rocket from from power ranger uh, from pokemon (laughs) yeah and that's because in the original series, uh, she lives on the moon. Yes. So uh, one would assume that in the second film, she actually does uh, create a fortress oh, hell on the yes. moon. That'd uh, be great. But of course, we don't know if that'll actually happen. It should. Hopefully it does. By God, it should. Um, they actually, there's a stinger at the end. Yeah. Um, where they, they uh, tease the Green Ranger, Tommy. Um, the the kids are all in detention again, and they're like, uh, "Oh, we have uh, someone new, uh, Tommy Oliver." I forget yep, his Tommy name. Oliver. Tommy Oliver, and like you see a green jacket on the back of a chair. Um, so you know they they fully expected to make a, a second film. Um, and and hopefully it happens. Uh, with Hasbro being the new owner of the of the franchise, perhaps they will push for it because obviously they want to sell more toys. And um, one last thing while we're still on the actual movie. Um, one of the interesting twists here was that Rita was the was the former Green Ranger and she has like a lot of green. Her her outfit is green and she has actually right. the coin, the green power coin. Yes. Kind, kind of similar to how she had betrayed Zordon, who was a Red Ranger. What's interesting about that is in the original series, um, the Green Ranger was introduced as an agent of Rita. So, like, there's obvious uh, potential there for the sequel, where she make she she creates a, a new Green Ranger and makes him attack the the range the existing Rangers. I don't know. I, I just thought that was a neat way to simplify the pre pre established lore. Again, get those hearts up, folks. Get those- Go see Power Ranger. <laughs> Go buy the Blu-ray. Go buy the DVD. Uh, go buy, <laughs> go buy some of those uh, toys, not secondhand. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's all okay because the money goes to Hasbro and not Heimspawn. Yes. Although I don't know. I mean, maybe the like actual DVD proceeds. I I doubt it though. I, I mean, at, at this point, money is beside the fact for his existence. He yeah. he doesn't need any more money. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I don't know. Um, um support, pal- yeah. support Palestine so while is... you're at it. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's true. If you buy a DVD, you also have to give to a, a Palestinian charity yes. or become a PLO fighter. Yes, and we stand BDS. Yes, that's true. Yeah, give to like a BDS, to BDS organization. Give to BDS, pro BDS companies. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, workers of note, who we got? <laughs> <laughs> who do we have? Um, you know, this is always a problem with workers of note for these big blockbusters. Either we name every single person or we just name a few. Right. Uh, that's what we're going for. We're going with the latter here. Um, I really enjoyed the score of this film done by Brian Tyler. Um, there is um, some, you know, more classic orchestration, of course, but there is um, like these this synth that he uses, yeah. and it feels a lot like a John Carpenter score. Definitely more John Carpenter in less um, less Stranger Things. Like like synth was yeah. synth was employed effectively. In, in really cool like a, a cool mood here mm-hmm. definitely yeah like when they finally all morph and they're doing like the usual like team uh stands in a line walks in a line yeah, towards the camera yeah, yeah. shot like the synth was really like yeah good shit yeah is it was pretty dope and while we're on score shout out to buckethead who uh who tore out those uh incredible epic guitar riffs and the original uh theme song um which does appear in this movie Yes, yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> Buckethead, any any yeah. any like any prog rock fans out there who who are in, who are really into like really heavy instrumentation, check out Buckethead. Um, mm-hmm. You know, also I should say um, one unfortunate element of the original uh, song is that Haim Saban actually wrote the uh, original Power Rangers theme song. <laughs> but that, that's fine. Like it, it's such a simple. No, it's, it's not. Such a he can't riff. do good things. Yeah. No, fuck, fuck him. him. <laughs> and the, the lyrics are stupid. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's all it's all Buckethead's uh, intensity that he brings to the music. Yes, mu- uh, music. that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, my worker of note here is the cinematographer uh, Matthew J. Lloyd. Um, as we mentioned, um, at least on two notable different occasions throughout this episode, um, the the fourteen forty degree uh, inside the car shot from Jason's car in the opening, and um, the cool Orpheus Prince of Darkness uh, water uh, mirror. Uh, sequence from when they they find the ship just a, a number of very very unexpected but very cool um sequences that uh yeah i i was absolutely not expecting from this 2017 um superhero team blockbuster so uh closing thoughts um lewis what's your broker broke recommendation for uh power rangers so our broke recommendation is for Zoomers who grew up with their older millennial siblings telling them about uh, this wacky show with uh, these kids who dressed up uh, in these crazy costumes and, and beat up giant monsters. Yeah, watch it and you might see what your crazy millennial siblings uh, were talking about. Tweet about it. Put it on your Instagrams. <laughs> or TikTok. I hear that. TikTok, thing yeah. Use. Oh my god, there have to be like TikToks out there of like kids doing Power Ranger shit. Oh hell yeah! Um, if not, we got to create that. Uh, my woke recommendation is for uh, Weeaboo's. Uh, we've used this term in the past past episodes. Weeaboo is usually white American kids who are really into Japanese stuff. There you go. Right. Uh, also called weebs. Uh, weebs who want to see a postmodern um, tokusatsu. Uh, this is definitely right up your alley. You can feel the the giant monster influence there, and like the the costumed hero influence there, but um, it has an interesting twist on it in in tone and depiction. 
Yeah, and our bespoke recommendation is for fans who uh, agree with my analysis here of superhero media, which is that uh, thesis is wrestling, antithesis, soap operas, synthesis is superheroes. Yes. Um, more than any other superhero movie I can even think of right now, like more than most of them that exist, um, th- this really gives equal weight to the wrestling, the fighting, uh, the surface. And the the the, de- the hidden depths beneath the the soap opera the the melodrama, um, which is what superhero media is all about. Yeah, I'd say this is one of the films that does it um, really well yeah. that I've seen recently. I would say to some extent that Guardians of the Galaxy two does it yes. well. Um, it doesn't have like wrestling per se, but it does have the you know high flying action yep. and and gunplay. Um, but it also does um, you know take its time to develop the melodrama, the family drama, and uh, uh, the aforementioned Raimi Spider Man films, um, especially mm-hmm. one, especially two, uh, really yeah, especially really two. gets that. Um, superheroes are really fucking cheesy, folks. You have to accept that <laughs> this shit does not work in real life. Like it, it is weird. Uh, we 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 will have to do um, a, a patron exclusive essay episode on on superheroes, like on on the genre. Um, yeah, but th- there is plenty to be said. But for now, just it it is melodrama um, hiding beneath uh, superpowered like superpowered fights. Definitely. Um, all right, folks. Well, that is Power Rangers uh, twenty seventeen. Hell yeah, one of the best. Go go, one of the best for the show. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, folks. See ya.